I want to talk to you this morning on keys to reclaiming our nation. Now, when I say reclaiming our nation, that would infer, I believe, that we've lost our nation. I don't think we have lost our nation, but I do think if we don't reach out and reclaim our nation, that, folks, we won't even recognize our nation in another 10 years, maybe even five years. So I think it's important that God's people understand what God expects of us. And I want to begin this three-part series. It'll be three parts going up to March the 3rd primary. I want to talk to you this morning about the church standing bold for the cause. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're, you, you can. We encourage you to. Because I don't want you to miss a single thing that we have to say this morning. I tell you what you do, because I don't want you to miss, miss anything that we have to say this morning or over the next two Sundays, I want you to set your, 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 your watch or, you know, your phone or something, kind of like the Astros did, you know, where they get a little shocked when the pitches come. I'm just playing with you. But that way, if you fall asleep, okay, it'll kind of shock you and bring you back because I don't want you to miss anything. I shouldn't have said that, should I? How many Astro fans we got here? I'm one. Okay. All right, but y'all know what I'm talking about here. Anyway, what's wrong, Walker? I shouldn't have said that. Okay, I'll take it back, okay? But anyway, we, we, we want you to pay attention to what we have to say on, on standing bold for the cause. Dr. Jerry Falwell, most of you remember Dr. Jerry Falwell. You, he's remembered as a prominent voice, you know, for the Christian conservative community. He founded the Moral Majority in 1979, and even after he stepped down from being leader of moral majority in 1987, he continued to speak boldly, you know, on his opposition against abortion, gay marriage, bans in prayer in school, on everything else that our nation was leading us away from God in. Now, speaking at Dr. Falwell's funeral in 2007, Franklin Graham had some things to say about Dr. Jerry Falwell. Let me just say a few of those things that Franklin Graham had to say about this great Christian conservative voice for the church. First of all, he said this, Dr. Falwell believed that there was one way to heaven, and if you didn't go through the blood of Jesus Christ, you wasn't going to get there. My goodness, why, could somebody, why would somebody say only through the blood of Jesus we can get to heaven? Can't we get there through Allah? Can't we get there through Buddha? Can't we get there through, you know, just thinking positive that we're going to get there? How dare he say that, huh? The next thing he said, Dr. Falwell believed that a child in its mother's womb should be protected as human life. You mean to tell me that even in the womb of a mother, a child is a human life? Amen. Y'all understand, I'm being facetious here, okay? All right, another thing, he went on to say this. Dr. Falwell even had the nerve to say that he believed that marriage should just be between one man and one woman, not people of the same sex. Boy, he was a pretty radical dude, wasn't he? But you know what? Dr. Falwell stood firm on his beliefs on these things. And whether you like Dr. Falwell or not, and I'll go on record saying I did, <clears throat> I, I thought a lot of Dr. Falwell. Excuse me, Dr. Falwell. The, the reason he was treated the way he was treated by the media and many politicians, folks, is because of his willingness to stand for what he believed in and not only stand for what he believed in, but to stand with boldness. 
I believe that we got too many people within our churches today with no backbone whatsoever. If they're in the four walls of this church, they'll say what they believe in. But once they get out there in the world, they don't have the backbone to stand boldly for what it is they believe in. And folks, it's time that we began to stand bold for the cause of Jesus Christ. Look, if there was ever a time that we needed people to stand and be controversial, folks, it's today. The world and our government, they're trying to dictate what, what is right and what is wrong. And can I tell you something? What's right and what's wrong has already been recorded in the Word of God. And government can't change that. The world can't change what's right or wrong. I believe it's time that we as the Christian church get back to uh, proclaiming the true Word of God and standing strong on what we believe. Look, here's the problem. The Christian church, for most part, is sitting back and saying, well, I don't want to cause any trouble. How sad. The Christian church is standing back and saying, well, I just don't want to stir things up. The Christian church is sta stand, uh, sitting back and saying, I just don't want to be controversial. Folks, when we're, when we're taking a stand for the Word of God, you're going to be controversial in this world we're in. Amen or oh me. Don't leave me. Okay? I, 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 don't leave me. We're going to be con controversial if we're standing for the Word of God. And you hear comments from people like this. And I've had people tell me this, okay? In fact, I had one lady one time get up and walk out and, and told me she'd never be back because I'm too political. And you know what I was preaching on that Sunday? Abortion. But I was being too political. Okay? But here's what I've had people say. Pastor, you'd better not get political from the pulpit or we might lose some people. And worse than that, we might lose our tax-exempt status. Now, people who believe, and even pastors who believe, that uh, the, a church can lose its tax-exempt status from the preacher standing in the pulpit and preaching against the issues of the day, they are ignorant people. Now, I got in trouble on Facebook here a couple of weeks ago for using that word ignorant. You know, that person thought I was saying he was stupid, and I had to go back and tell him the definition of ignorant. It simply means unlearned, okay? Look, a, a pastor will, or a church will never lose its stat, a tax-exempt status for a, per, a pastor taking a stand, you know, for the Word of God. In fact, here's what a lot of people don't know. I can get up here in a message, and I can tell you who I'm voting for, why I'm voting for that person, and who I'm not voting for, and why I'm not voting for that person, and the church will, you know, will not be affected by that. Why? Because I'm, as a person, as a human being, as an American, have a right to my First Amendment right. You see, here's the thing. I can tell you all day long who I'm voting for. Now, I will never tell you who to vote for. But I will tell you who I'm voting for and why I'm voting for that person. But here's the thing. I am not the 501c3 here. The church is. Now, the church itself can't, you know, uh, say we're supporting this person and send them money. But, you know, me as an individual, me as a pastor, I have the right to say you know, who I'm supporting. Okay? So we need to understand that. And that's what a lot of pastors don't understand. They won't get, quote, political from the pulpit because they're ignorant to the fact that the church cannot uh, lose its 501c3 as long as the church is not endorsing someone personally, or as long as the church is not donating money to a political campaign. Do we understand that? So y'all not ignorant, okay? But there are a lot of ignorant people out there. All right? Look at here. Somebody said I laughed like I shouldn't have said that either. That's okay. 
You know, I'm controversial at times. But here's the thing. All right? Let me point out that we're losing something far greater than a tax-exempt status, folks. We're losing our nation, and we're losing sight of the living God. Look, what we need in our church today, what we need in our church body today is people who are willing to stand up, to speak up, and not shut up just because something may be controversial. That's what we need. You know, today if you preach the Bible, you're going to be controversial. And in fact, if you're not being controversial, you're probably not preaching the Bible. Look, we need a church body that's willing to be controversial when it's time to be controversial. We need more people like Dr. Falwell who know what they believe, why they believe, and they're not afraid nor are they ashamed to take a stand and be bold about what it is they believe. Now looking at Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, and we're going to look at some more passages there in Acts 4, so don't close your Bible after we read this. But we can see that there are times that Christians must stand and speak boldly about their sins and wrongdoings that are going on around us. Now we see an example of that here in Acts chapter 4. Here's what it says. As they spoke unto the people and the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, they came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. That simply means they grabbed them and, you know, going to arrest them. And put them in hold until the next day, for it was evening time. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men that believed the preaching of Peter and John was about 5,000 Look, let, let, let's see when controversial or controversy is justified, okay? Their message was Jesus, not an ideology. Understand that. Their message was Jesus. It wasn't some ideology that they had. Look at verse 2. And being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They didn't come to these people with their own viewpoint. They come to these people with the Word of God. And it's important to note here that Peter and John was not attempting to push their views on the people. Rather, they proclaimed Jesus and His resurrection, which was a very controversial topic at that time. It was controversial among the early church. It was controversial among the Jewish leaders. Now look, we don't need to try... Now listen to what I'm fixing to say here because it may sound uh, confusing to you, but listen closely. We do not need to try to push our views on other people. You say, well, wait a minute. I'm kind of going against what you're saying here. Now, listen to me. We don't need to, pre- uh, put to, to try to push our views on other people. What we need to do is simply stand on the Word of God, share Jesus, and don't back down when it comes to sin. You see, as long as we're standing on the Word of God, folks, it's not my view. It's the view of the Word of God that I'm standing on. Does that make sense? You know, your view can be argued with people and your view can be, you know, overruled by people. But folks, they'll never win against the Word of God. They'll never win against the Word of God. Look, too many get in trouble trying to debate an issue rather than simply finding out what God says about it 
and take your stand there. Are you with me? Find out what the Word of God has to say and take your stand there on the Word of God. Maybe, maybe this is one reason we're not seeing people saved the way we did 15 or 20 years ago. When Peter preached Jesus, when Peter preached Jesus, the Word of God, when Peter preached the resurrection, he did so with, peop- uh, with conviction, folks, and 5,000 people were saved. Listen, when we stand on the Word of God and we preach, uh, uh, preach the Word of God, folks, it's going to change the lives of people. But if all I'm doing is giving people my opinion, that's not going to get nobody to Jesus. Look, the world does not need your opinion on why they should not get an abortion. The world does not need your opinion on why drugs are destroying them and our nation. The world does not need your opinion on why they shouldn't marry someone of the same sex. The world does not need your opinion on why the nation is in the moral cesspool that it's in. The world does not need your opinion on how our government, you know, has led this nation in a direction away from God rather than than to God as it was found. Look, what this world needs is someone who will be willing to stand up, willing to speak up, willing to be controversial when it comes to proclaiming Jesus Christ and His Word and what the Word of God has to say on the issues. Look, the Word of God speaks louder and with more authority than my opinion. Say that again. The Word of God speaks louder and with more authority than my opinion. Does that make sense? Because there's power in the Word of God. Look, there's not not much power in what I have to say unless I'm quoting the Word of God, unless I'm speaking the Word of God. Now, the next thing we see here in verse 13, going down there, we have to speak with boldness. My goodness. Be bold when you're standing upon the Word of God because you've got the backing of the Word of God. Look what verse 13 says. Now, when they saw the, what's that word? Boldness. Say it again boldness of peter and john they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men and they marveled now you know that they looked at peter and john as just ignorant guys stupid people but when they started proclaiming the word of god and they proclaimed it with boldness they said wait a minute something's different here them are unlearned people them are ignorant guys But what they're having to say, the way they're saying it, has kind of got our attention. Now, let's read on there. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them. Now, look at this. That they had been with Jesus. Boy, you know, what a conviction to go before court and get convicted that you'd been with Jesus. I tell you what, if there's ever one thing I want to get convicted of, it's being with Jesus. Look. The word boldness is just the opposite of timidity. You know, here it means this. In spite of danger and opposition, they they stood firm on their conviction without any attempt to cover up or disguise that that they believed in. Folks, we need more people within our churches who will take a stand with boldness on what the Word of God has to say that will stand firm on their convictions, that will not try to cover up or disguise what they believe in. And I'm afraid there's too many people in our churches that do try to disguise and cover up what they believe in. Well, you know, I I, I don't quite agree with what that person's doing, but I really got to watch how I, you know, talk to them about it and what I say to them about it. You know what? That's not boldness. 
Are, are you with me? This means yes, this means no. This means you're asleep and you need to, okay. Folks, this is where we have to get back to as a church. Look here. It's always amazed me how some people have no problem inviting someone to church. They have no problem inviting somebody to a Bible study. They have no problem inviting someone to a program that the church may be putting on, but they're scared to death to share Jesus Christ with people. They're scared to death to share the Word of God with people. You know, they're scared to death to look someone in the eye and say sin is sin. They're scared to death to look at someone in the eye and say evil is evil. Look, if you've truly been with Jesus, you're not going to have any problem stand, or sharing Jesus nor standing on the Word of God and sound the alarm when sin is running rampant throughout our nation. You see, Peter and John, they could display such boldness and stand firm on what they believed because they had been with Jesus, and not only had they been with Jesus, and what being with Jesus caused was a passion for him and his word. You see, I believe that a lot of people don't have a passion for Jesus Christ in our churches. You know, we have a lot of people in our churches week after week, but we have very few people within our churches that has been with Jesus. Being with Jesus is going to change who you are. Being with Jesus is going to change your outlook on sin. Being with Jesus is going to change your outlook on evil. You see, purposing His Word in your heart is going to change who you are. And standing on your principles will give you a sense of boldness. Look, it was the cur their courage and their boldness that caused the Sanhedrin court to come to the conclusion they had been with Jesus. Why? Because these guys had never had, you know, they never seen no courage and boldness in their life. But because they had been with Jesus, folks, it changed who they are. It changed who they are. And it will change who you are. How many people within our churches could have such boldness that they could be accused of being with Jesus? Better yet, how many people, how many men within our pulpits could be accused? of being with Jesus because of the boldness and the conviction of which they preach the Word of God. And I think there's one reason right there why our nation is in the shape it's in because we have too many men behind our pulpits that do not have conviction and boldness about the Word of God. And they've been quiet. They've been silent so as not to offend no one. Because, look, if I offend you, you may not ever come back. So... That would be stupid of me to offend you, wouldn't it? Are, are you with me? That's the way most preachers look at it. And, of course, if you leave, your, your, your checkbook leaves with you. Boy, we're in really bad shape now, aren't we? Look, our message must not be our views. Rather, our message must be the Word of God, and we must speak it with boldness. And the third thing, their commitment was heartfelt. Look at verse 20. Their commitment was heartfelt. Here's what they said when they were told to shut up, okay? Shut up. You can't talk about that. That's a controversial subject. We don't want to hear about Jesus and that there was a resurrection because none of it's true. And here's what it said. They responded, Peter and John, but we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. Don't miss that. In other words, I can't keep my mouth shut. Now, I've been accused of that quite a bit. 
not being able to keep my mouth shut. All right? I don't need no amens on that, all right? Wow. At least I know somebody's listening. Okay. All right. But let's look at this for a moment. I believe one thing lacking in our churches today are the heartfelt commitments which result in a purpose in the lives of God's people. A heartfelt purpose that results in, 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 uh, in, in uh, purpose in our life. They purposed in their heart not to quit. They purposed in their heart not to be silent. They purposed in their heart to be committed to the cause. And when you realize what God has done for you, folks, there's nothing or anything that will shut you up when you really understand what God has done for you. Now, here's the first thing here. Peter and John purposed in their heart that God had done so much for them to allow the world to discourage or to scare them from doing what they were called to do. They said, you know what? Jesus has done so much for us, okay, that we're not going to allow this old world to discourage us or to scare us. And folks, there's where we have to get. To purpose something in one's heart is to fix it or to establish it there, okay? You see, when we as children of God must ask ourselves if the Word of God is really fixed in our heart. You have to ask yourself that. Is this Word of God really fixed in my heart? Is it really established in my heart? Or is it just words on the page from an old book? And I'm afraid too many people within our churches look at it as just words in an old book. And it's not really fixed in their heart. That's why they don't have a boldness. That's why they won't stand on, quote, the issues of today. You know, it reminds me of old Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been preaching to the nation about the sin that was taking place. Jeremiah would preach, the people would laugh. Jeremiah would preach, the people would put their fingers in there. Jeremiah would preach and they would make fun of Jeremiah. He was preaching that sin is destroying our nation. And the people were making fun of him. In Jeremiah 20 and 9, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read it. You can turn there. It says this. Again, Jeremiah was being made fun of. Jeremiah was being laughed at. Nobody was listening to Jeremiah. He would get up and preach, you know, on the evils of sin, and people would just keep living their life the way they was. And here's what he said to God. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, him speaking about God. In other words, I'm going to shut up about God. These people aren't listening no way. They're making a mockery out of me. He said, so I'll not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But, in other words, he said, I'm going to keep quiet. I ain't going to say nothing else. He said, all it's doing is making me look stupid. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But... It says, his words were in my heart, talking about the words of God, talking about the word of God. His words were in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up. Shut up. And not speak about him. You know, uh, or excuse me, shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not keep quiet. You see, here's what Jeremiah was saying. These people are laughing at me. They're making fun of me. They're mocking me. You know, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to say anything else to them. 
I'm not going to show them that, you know, try to show them what sin is all about, how sin is destroying our nation, the evil that is within us. I'm shutting up because I'm wasting my breath. I'm wasting my time. But then Jeremiah said, when I would shut up, there was a fire in my bones. There was a fire in my bones, shut up in my bones, and I could not keep quiet. You know why? Because he had a passion for the word of God. He had a passion for God. Jeremiah is saying here that the word of God was so purposed in his heart that when I tried my very best to shut my mouth and not speak about him, you know, and what he's done for me, that fire in my bones just wouldn't let me keep my mouth shut. Look, as Christians, we must never be ashamed or timid to the point that we do not speak up concerning the word of God and the evil that is around us. Let me say that again. We can't do like Jeremiah desiring to show. He finally didn't shut up. He kept preaching the word of God. But as Christians, we must never be ashamed or timid to the point that we get to where we say, I'm not, I won't even speak about the word of God no more. <coughs> Excuse me. Look, I like the way Eugene Peterson uh, in, in the message uh, uh, puts that out. I think I got it up there on the screen for you. Here's how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, you pushed me into this, God. Yeah, and I let you do it. You were too much for me. And now I'm a public joke. I open my mouth. I'm shouting murder, rape. And all I get for my God warnings are insult and contempt. But if I say, forget it. No more God messages from me. The words are a fire in my belly. The words are a fire in my belly, a burning in my bones. I'm wore out trying to hold it in. Boy, isn't that something? It wore him out trying to keep his mouth shut. I can't do it any longer, Jeremiah said. Folks, there is where we have to get as children of God when it comes to the evil in our world. Jeremiah couldn't be silent concerning the sin around him. And even though he felt like giving up, he couldn't because the Word of God was so fixed in his heart. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Sometimes I feel the same way as I look at the evil going around in our world today. And the harder I preach against the, you know, the, the, the things of this world that is, is putting our nation further and further away from God, you know, the more I preach about it, the more it just seems to get worse. And sometimes I want to just give up and say, what's the use? What's the use? Things are going to happen the way God wants them to happen anyway, right? I mean, the Bible tells us the world's going to get this away. So what's the use even wasting my time speaking against abortion, homosexuality, taking away Ten Commandments, taking away prayer out of school? What's the use? Because things are going to turn out the way God wants them to anyway. So maybe... Maybe I'll just preach some feel-good messages and tickle their ears, okay? Maybe I'll just preach some feel-good message and tickle their ears and just go about my own business without anybody saying to me, you're getting too political and leave the church. But you know what? I can't shut up when I see over 4,000 babies a day being killed by abortion. I can't shut up when, 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 when I see homosexual couples thumbing their noses in the face of God and five people in black robes 
thinking they can overrule what the Word of God has to say. Listen, I can't shut up when I see uh, Ten Commandments removed in the dark of the night from our courthouses and other things in public places, you know, because a handful of ungodly people say it's offensive to them. Listen, I can't shut up when a high school coach is told that he can't pray with his players before or after a game. I just can't shut up on these things. It's kind of like Jeremiah here just gets my blood uh, rolling. Look, church, these aren't political issues. These are biblical issues, and we must not be ashamed to take a stand against them. Now, I've got some pastors that listen to my messages, and they'll be listening to this one. So let me just take a moment to talk to some of these pastors that I know watches my messages because they told me they do. Listen, we can't, as pastors, be quiet about the Word of God. No matter what the issue is. If you believe the Bible teaches that life begins at conception, then by golly, preach with boldness that abortion is sin. If you believe that God instituted marriage between one man and one woman, you know, and not one of the same sex, then preach boldly that same sex is a sin against the Almighty God. And don't listen, you know, to to those who will say, those are political issues and you have no business preaching politics from the pulpit. Again, I say, these are not political issues. These are biblical issues. And the reason they've become uh, issues to begin with is because pastors have kept their mouths shut about them. They wouldn't be issues if pastors had been proclaiming these things all along. So we've got to take a stand. And it, it has to begin with the Christian community, and it has to begin in our pulpits. Listen, God commands us as pastors, his prophets and his man, uh, uh, messengers, to warn the people and not hide behind our pulpits. And there's a lot of pastors hiding behind their pulpits. Guys, you've got to come out of the closet. I mean, the homosexuals did. Why can't you? Listen. We, as God's people, have to come out of the closet. You know, closets are dark. Darkness represents sin. Why do you think the homosexual stayed in the closets for so long? Because it was recognized as sin years ago. But let me tell you something. They flung open the doors and come into the light. Who are children of light? Talk to me. Who are children of light? We are Christians. Folks, light overrules darkness. But when we allow darkness to not be shown on with the light, then darkness can overtake the light. And that's what's happening in our nation today. We as children of God have allowed the darkness to just run rampant. And because of that, these things have become issues that should have never became issues to begin with. Ezekiel said this, O son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth. Now this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He says, hear this word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. Are are you with me? 
The warning comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It goes back to what we told you at the beginning of this lesson. You know, don't worry about sharing your view. Share the Word of God. Because the warning does not come from me. It comes from God. And that's what he told Ezekiel. So our messages must not be our views, rather the Word of God. We must speak with boldness, and our commitments must be heartfelt. Yes, Dr. Falwell was controversial on many issues. He was very outspoken on many topics, and a lot of people didn't like that about him. He was willing to stand up. He was willing to speak up. He was willing to be controversial when people or the government crossed that line and trampled the Word of God. Folks, they're walking all over the Word of God today. They're walking all over the Word of God today. And if we do not take back our nation as children of God, darkness is going to fill our whole land. This election is so vitally important. Because you've got two totally extremes there. Two totally extremes. Look, as children of God, and I've gotten in trouble for saying this, but you know, if I don't get in trouble for saying this, I'll get in trouble for saying something else. I'm just uh, uh, troubled, okay? But I can see no way possible, no way possible for a Christian. Now let me, let me put a disclaimer out there, okay? A Christian, the word Christian means follower of Christ. It means to be little Christ. Are you with me on the definition? Now, a believer is someone who is saved. Okay? But I see no way that a Christian can vote for a party or a person who violates the word of God because they have no problem with killing 4,000 babies a day. Now, a believer might be able to do that. Are you with me? The difference between a believer and a Christian. But there's no way a Christian can vote for an individual or a party who sees no problem with killing 4,000 babies a day. There's no way that a Christian can vote for a person who has no problem with a man marrying a man or a woman marrying a woman. I mean, we've got one presidential candidate that gets up on the stage and kisses his husband. In fact, his husband said, when, I'm, when, when, when Pete's elected, you know, I want to be known as the first gentleman. That's where we are as a nation. So I see no way that a Christian, now believers can do it, because they're just a believer, they've been saved, but they're not truly following Christ, can vote for a person who has no problem with same-sex marriage. I see no way that a Christian can vote for a person who has no trouble removing Ten Commandments from our schools, our courthouses, and all. Because what they're saying is we want the Word of God out of our nation totally. So, folks, this election is so vitally important because we got those two extremes this year, this cycle. You know... I think it's time that the children of God pick up where Dr. Falwell left off and begin taking our nation back to once again becoming one nation under God, and that one God being Jehovah. Let me close with one thought here. 
on June the 28th, 2006. June the 28th, 2006. Been a long time ago. But then Senator Barack Hussein Obama said these words. Whatever we once were. Now once means we was there before, correct? Would everybody agree with that? To say whatever we once were, you're, you're, you're inferring there that at one time we was this. Okay? But here's this words quote. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. Now, if there's ever anything that Barack Hussein Obama said that I agree with, I think I can agree with him on this. I'll tell you why in just a moment. He said, but we're no longer a Christian nation, at least not just a Christian nation. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation. In other words, we're a nation that worships Allah. We're a Buddhist nation a nation that worships a little fat man sitting on a stump with his legs crossed, and a Hindu nation, a group of people who worship, you know, broccoli, and a nation of non-believers. <laughs> a nation of non-believers? You know what a non-believer is? It's secular humanism. So what he was saying, and this is why I agree with him, that we're no longer a Christian nation. We are a nation now that will accept Allah, we are a nation now that will accept Buddha, Hinduism, Obrama, okay? And we are a nation that will accept if secular humanism, that if someone just feels like it's okay for them, then it's okay. Now, you know what he's basically saying there? We accept all other gods in our nation now. Folks, have you ever studied the nation of Israel and see what happened to them when they began to allow all different gods in their camp? I challenge you, go study, because it wasn't pretty for the nation of Israel. And when the United States of America begins to accept all gods and make them equal with God Jehovah, we're asking for judgment. We're asking for judgment. We can only have one God, not three or four to choose from. And if we want our nation back, we're going to have to take it back. And the way that we take it back, folks, is to stand boldly on the Word of God, to call sin, sin, evil, evil, and do so with a passion as did, as did Peter and John. But that is only going to happen. That's only going to happen as the pulpits of, of America begin once again hating sin. Now, not the sinner. Not the sinner. The sin. I hope you can understand we can distinguish between the sinner and the sin. Once the pulpits of America again begin hating the sin and the people in the pews begin hating the sin as much as God hates it, then, then we'll begin to take our nation back. Now, the question you need to ask yourself this morning, all of us do, is do I really stand boldly on the Word of God? Does the Word of God really, does the Word of God really affect my view on some of the, quote, issues that are destroying our nation today? And folks, if the Word of God is not really burning in your heart, burning in your soul, if it's not a fire in your gut saying, I just don't like what's happening today because we've accepted all other gods, we've accepted sin as, 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 as oh, being okay, 
You know, we've, we've allowed good to become bad and bad to become good. Folks, we've got to take back our nation. And it's going to begin, first of all, behind these pulpits. And second of all, out in the pews to where the people of God say, yes, enough is enough.